welcome back to another episode of the Backwards K Podcast, episode four. I am your host, Coach Puma, and today today we're going to talk about the last relationship. I promise this is the last type of relationship we're going to talk about, uh, but that is the parent-coach relationship. And the importance of it, the delicacy of it, why it's important, where it, it can become volatile, um, but it's an important relationship to have. Um, and we're going to talk about that. But first, I just want to thank my listeners uh, for subscribing and giving us five-star reviews. I really do appreciate it. Uh, help spread the word. Uh, tell your friends, tell your family members who, who are looking for a podcast of this type uh, that, that might be able to help. Uh, or, you know, if you want to send it to a coach that who thinks need, who do you think needs the help, send it to them too. You know, I'll, I'll help the coaches that need their eyes open as well, but let's get right into it. So the parent coach relationship, this relationship to me is probably the third most important compared to players and coaches, because this is an ent- entity that is off the field. You're not with the parents every day. You know, you're talking to them weekly via email. You're, you're saying hello to them at, at, after after a game. Uh, you're really only, you're dealing with them when it comes to, you know, maybe a senior dinner or stuff like that. That's when the relationship is good. You know, when the relationship is bad, you're constantly asking questions about playing time and things like that. And, you know, the interesting thing here is too, though, is that parents forget that they have the relationship is theirs as well. It's not just yours. You're not there as a coach to report to them. They need to treat you with respect as well. And we're going to talk about that. And, you know, there's there's situations that I've been in that I can explain what I'm saying. But, you know me, I, I like to have our my my components. And I have a few today. I got five, five strategies for the coaches and five for the parents to follow. Um, but first of all, I just want to... Uh, jump out in front of it and say there is no interview attached to this episode this week. I decided not to do that. Uh, I think that this type of relationship, you don't need to have a parent on uh, talking about it. Um, But I also think that it's important just to get the coach's view from it and my view from it as well, because I'm going to be speaking for a lot of coaches right now with stuff that I'm about to go over. So let's get right into that. So let's talk about today's generation of sports parents because it has evolved over the course of the year and today's generation of parents are different from the sports parents of the past and it is more common now for parents to have a larger role in their children or their players sport lives and sports career than in past generations Uh, today parents are often referred to as being over involved and overprotective and having high expectations on coaches that coaches can't meet and constantly putting pressure on their kids to perform. And that also hurts as well. And Or they're acting like a player coach or a parent coach. So what that means is that they're coaching over you from the dugout or from the bleachers, right? So this role can lead parents to act inappropriately at their kids' events. So that either acting with their coaches or yelling at you, you know, because you didn't make a decision or you didn't start their kid or their kid ain't playing and they're yelling at you to put their kid in from the bleachers. Or they're yelling at umpires or officials or stuff like that. So the problem is, is that parents today are being deeply involved with their, their athletic, the children's athletic development. 
and they have a need to protect them from failure. Often we hear we hear as helicopter parents or lawnmower parents, you know, those are today's parents. You know, today's parents are often seen as a vehicle to connect with their children emotionally and want to make the experience as successful as possible for them. But some parents can even fall into the reverse dependency phenomenon where parents often over-identify with the children's sport, ex- the, ch- the child's sports experience and begins to define their own self-worth in terms of their child's success or failures. Oh my Lord, this happens all the time. All the time and it hurts the kid. Nobody cares that you didn't win a state title and you're vicariously living through your child to win that said state title. And you have nothing to do with it. Nobody cares about that. I didn't get into coaching to live out your, as a parent, your failures as a player. Okay? I didn't win no state title as a player. I wish I did, but I didn't. And I don't coach those kids because of that. I coach those kids because I'm a good voice for them. I don't care as a, as a player, you were the bench warmer and you don't want your player to go through that. I don't care that you were an all-American in upstate New York and your kid has to live that dream. Like, that's not the point of all of this, right? So we need to, you, you need to understand that you're, as a parent, your child or, you know, is, or that your athlete is with your coach every day. That's not your job to to put more pressure on them. The coach is putting enough pressure on them to perform. They don't need it from you. Okay? So, now, that that's just, you know, a bad, the bad aspect. But parents being involved can also be a really good thing. Um, parents that may, you know, can dedicate themselves to the process of improvement they're on the same page, you know, with the coaching staff. They're 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 informed. They understand what is needed of them. They understand what their role is. They understand what it takes to be successful. And the parents can be your greatest ally. You're you know I. It sounds, but the way I'm talking about it, it sounds like I've had a neg- a lot of negative um, interactions with parents, and that's not true. Um, I think I've only had one or two. If that, um, everything, every parent that I've talked to, I have great relationships with for the most part. And I'm going to get into why the, the two, what the two instances were. And both times the parent was wrong because the parent didn't want to be right. Or the parent didn't want to be told what was right. It was his way or the highway. And, you know, I don't deal with parents like that. Um, but we'll, we'll talk about that in the long run. So First, let's talk about the coaching strategies. What are five coaching strategies to use when working with parents? So number one, teach the parents about the sport. Okay, help parents who don't know much, who think they know everything about the sport, but really don't. Help them develop an understanding and appreciation of the sport, including rules, skills, and strategies. You know, answer questions and refer to parents to resources that will help them learn about the sport. So what does that mean? So, you know, if you have a weekly email that goes out to your parents, maybe throw some things in there about the sport. You know, oh, hey, guys, like, watch this. You know, we're working on this in practice this week. And show them, like, a YouTube video of, like, double relays or something. You know, so the parents can see the skill so that when they see it in a game, like, oh, they were working on that two weeks ago. It's good to see that actually be used in a game. 
or you say, hey, we're working on this part of, of um, hitting today. We're working on going the other way. Send them a video of, a, of what an approach is. So when you they hear you say, hey, you know, hey, use a two-strike approach, they know what that is. You know, and it, you don't have to go overboard. It's just throw something in an email. It takes two seconds. You should have all their emails already in a folder. You type in the folder. You hit send. It's, it's done. It takes five minutes, right? That's a good way to teach them about the sport. Number two, develop a code of conduct for the parents, right? The school's going to have a code of conduct for you as a coach and for the players. I think the parents need a code of conduct as well. That is obviously, if you're doing it through school, that's approved by your athletic director. But if you're doing it like, or a little league, the little league definitely has one. But if you're doing like a summer, a summer, a summer team that's not, you know, affiliated with anything and you come up with your own, make them sign it. So that when they're going out at you and they're, they got a problem, you can pull up the code of conduct and say, hey, you signed this. Do you remember this? And that ends it. You're covered. Because then they're going to stick to the word. Or, you know, depending on how bad it is. But if you develop rules for your parents, right, at competitions, at events, you know, and you share it with the parents at the start of the season, you know, you know, it, 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 it makes them accountable for their actions. And some example rules are not to interfere with the coach. So some example rules is not to interfere with a coach, to express encouragement and support, uh, do not shout out criticism, uh, do not make abusive comments to others, uh, don't coach your kid from the from the bleachers, right? Don't come to the the dugout with drinks and food and and all this, right? Don't tell your kid, hey, check your phone in the dugout. I texted you. No. Right. The parent's job is to be a fan. Be a fan within reason, right? These kids are working way too hard and they're getting enough criticism, uh, constructive criticism from their coaches to be getting a criticism from you as a parent. So that's the first thing. So another rule that could be important is, you know, what, what is, you know, you... It's tough because you don't want to have that rule interfere with your coaching. So you don't want a rule that you set for your parent and then you break that rule. So one of that one of the rules might be, you know, no yelling and screaming at umpires and then you're yelling and screaming at an umpire during a game. Like don't make a rule that you can't keep that it will interfere with your coaching. Make it reasonable, but make it driven towards the parents. Like don't sit within 5 feet of the dugout. You know, with your lawn chair. Right? Things like that. So, develop a code of conduct. Now, establish two-way communication with parents. Cultivate two-way communication by being open to what parents have to say and try not to be defensive. Let parents know the appropriate times and places for discussions. If a parent is aggressively communicating, try using a mediator such as an athletic director or league official or an assistant coach. So, two-way communication. Now, this is a win-lose situation for you. It's a win because you get to know how the parents feel, but it's a lose because that over-aggressive parent is going to take advantage of it. Or the parent that says, oh, I played a higher level of ball of the, of, than you. I know more than you, right? Because there are those parents out there too. Um, so what you need to do is you should say, hey, you know, effective communication. If you have an issue, I will talk to you. You know, send it out an email. Give them a day and a time slot that they can reach out to you. Um, if something happens during a game that they shouldn't be talking to you 
outside the team bus in front of everybody, if they want to meet face to face, you know, bring in the athletic director and say, hey, if this parent wants to talk face to face with me, can you be in there on the, as a witness or whatever, just to cover yourself? And that's how you do it. You know, like, it's funny because sometimes these parents don't act like adults and you have to put things in place so they do act like adults, right? So you should educate parents on positive parenting behaviors. Now, it's tough because you don't want to tell an adult what to do. But just kind of tell them, hey, like keep things positive, you know, like just be, you know, you know, encourage your your players, encourage your kid, you know, encourage us. Don't be negative. Don't be, you know, like I said, again, coaching from the sidelines. Don't be, you know, don't be um, getting to the point where you're like teaching them, you know, make them accountable. And last but not least, this is probably the most important one. And I saved it for last because you could do all of the things I just said in this situation is hold a parent meeting at the start of the year. Now, I love these meetings. I love these meetings because the, the parents get to know me and the parents get to see me and they get to see how I am with the, the players because the players are there too. So holding up meetings, share, share the details of the logistics of the season, uh, what practice schedules might look like, um, what a spring trip might look like if you have one, um, what your roles and responsibilities are going to be as a coach, what you expect of your athletes, um, prop, appropriate parenting roles and behaviors, um, and highlight the importance of a healthy parent coach relationship. Just say how important it is that, you know, I work with you if you work with me, you know, and, and lay out the, the communication, how you're going to communicate with them, um, how you're going to, what they're, what you expect of them. Cause you already know they expect something of you, right? But what do you expect from them? Tell them that. Okay. Try, I want, allow parents to ask questions. Uh, you may want to hold quarterly meetings as well based on the length of your season. So you might want to just, you know, give the parents an outlet, but at the same time, if you are upfront and honest with them from the get-go, they won't bother you. And that's why I don't have a lot of issues with parents because I'm upfront with them. I communicate well, I'm upfront with them, I'm upfront with their kids, you know, because then when they come complain, I can say, well, did your son tell you X, Y, and Z? Oh, no. Ask him about that. And then they go and they go, oh, wow. Then why don't you tell me that instead of me looking like an idiot, right? So the more you communicate and the more, uh, what's the word? The, the easier you are, the more transparent you are, the less they have to use against you. If you're very secretive and you don't say much and you don't communicate, that's where they'll get you, Right? And parents want a coach that communicates. So that's the coaching side of it. Now, there's a parent side that is important as well that they need to uphold outside of the code of conduct and stuff like that. And, you know, as a coach here, there are some, here are some practices that you should expect from your parents. Now, before I get into that, Right, we're gonna we're actually gonna cover that on the other side of this break.
And welcome back from the break. Now, teasing it. Parent, as a coach, what should you expect from your parents? Now, these are big. These are important. And I touched on them a little bit in the first half of the episode, but I wanted to cover them now more de- in more in detail and kind of label it as a parent side, coach side, right? Parent side, coach side. So this is the parent side. Any concerns, first one, any concerns having regarding their child's participation should be handled away from the field, away from the child, or any of the child's teammates. Why is that important? Now, it's important because you don't want your child embarrassed. You don't want to embarrass your child in front of his teammates. You don't want to embarrass your child, period. And you don't want to embarrass yourself. So do it in private. Two, any scheduling issues should be communicated at least a week in advance if possible. Now, this is more for summer ball when people are going on vacations. Now, what we like to do as an organization when we were running our organization was we got the schedule out early and we played every other weekend. So every other, so the parents, if they wanted to go away, can go away on an off weekend. But for some reason, if they couldn't make it, they needed to let us know within two weeks. Why? Because we pay for the tournaments up front. So we need to, you know, we have a roster of kids. You know, we had 15 guys, but we had about 10 to 15 reserve players that we could call and see if they were able to play. So, you know, that's why. It puts the it puts a, the coaches in a situation where they could compare the team so they have a team and nine guys to play. Third, any concerns about the coach's personal coaching philosophy, expectations of players, or team rules should be addressed as early in the season as possible. Like I said, that goes back to the team meeting. Um, it's important to communicate that. Now, you don't need to get so translucent into the fact where you need to have a role meeting individually with each parent and say, okay, this is what your kid's role is going to be. That's for you and the player. And if the player wants to communicate that to the parent, they can. But the parent needs to understand this. Now, time outside of the facts, outside of my list, my list is done, right? So now this is all opinion. This is all experience. This is not fact. The important thing is this. Now, coaches and parents are always at that teetering point. If things are good, things are good. If things are bad, things are bad. Right? And you got to find that happy medium. Now, what it needs to be understood is that It's hard to explain without making the parent look like the bad guy. But I'm just going to say it. Your kid's not Derek Jeter. Your kid's not Bryce Harper. Your kid's not going to be the next Willie Mays. Right? Don't set that expectation on your on your kid that's unattainable. Okay? Now, what... I'm not saying that all... That you know the, that there shouldn't be dreams and players shouldn't have dreams. Of course, players should have dreams. Of course, they should have dreams. But they're going to be themselves. They're going to be them. They're going to play their style of ball, right? They're not going to make the jump throw like Jeter did. They're not going to hit the ball the other way like Jeter did, 
right? They're not going to be hitting 500-foot bombs as a 16-year-old like Harper did, right? They're not going to be the next Mike Trout. If you look at all three of those players, Jeter, Harper, and Trout, they all play the game differently, right? So why would you put your kid through that, right? That's the first thing. So the second thing is, is that your kid earns his playing time. It's not given. Just because you put a uniform on doesn't mean you're going to play. And this is a very, very tough conversation to have. It is. But if you make it clear from the beginning that a player's time is earned, not given, the conversation is dead. There is no conversation. If a player misses practice and then gets benched and the player and the player's parent complains, you can say, well, why wasn't he at practice? He didn't communicate with me. He broke team rules, so he was benched. Why does he deserve to play? Right? Team rule. Or if you could say, all right, well, your kid's the fifth outfielder on this team. As of right now, if he works his butt off, he'll play. But he's the fifth outfielder. What does that mean? He's got four people to jump. The starter, the fourth, the first sub off the bench in the outfield, and the fifth guy, right? Two guys. That's four guys he's got to jump. That's his role. He's a pinch hitter, pinch runner, late defensive placement every once in a while. Right? So you need, you, 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 you have a situation here where parents put these expectation on these kids that these kids can't attain. Right? And when it doesn't go their way, they want their way, they don't care about anything else. So, that's when it just comes to playing time. Now, back in the day, even when I was growing up, you had parents, you know, my there were a few times where, you know, baseball was my one sport. I never had an issue with playing time when it came to baseball. But when it came to like basketball or stuff like that, they play, I didn't play a lot. You know, I played a sport. I played to keep me in sh- myself in shape other than baseball. There's another sport, different sport, gave some of my baseball muscles a rest for a couple of months, and I strengthened other parts of my body. But um, my parents always said, hey, you want us to email the coach? I said, no, I got to earn my playing time. I got to earn that stuff. And you know what? You know, I don't need my parents to fight my battles for me. And the parents nowadays are fighting their kids' battles. Now, a lot can change that. And this is where it all ties in. If you have a good player-coach relationship, you won't even hear from the parents because the player will come to you themselves and say, hey, coach, what I got to do to play more? Hey, coach, you know, I am working hard. Why am I not playing? You can have that, and then you can have that conversation man-to-man instead of parent-to-man, right? So the reason why I did this third is because the other two relationships affect the type of relationship you have with your parents. If you have a good coach-to-coach relationship, if you have a good player-to-coach relationship, you're not going to have that parent-coach relationship where the parent is too intrusive. You don't have that player, that parent-coach relationship where you're constantly talking to parents. Right? Honestly, the only time you want to talk to parents other than through an email weekly, is at the beginning of the season, maybe halfway through, the end of the year dinner, and the season awards. That's it. Maybe And maybe during a game. After a game on the way back to the locker room. That's it. 
You don't want to talk other than that. So, you know, you have situations where you have parents that are thinking their kids are these going to be these great superstars, and when they don't get treated like superstars, they get treated like the player they are, they have a problem and that causes a problem. That's a parent you don't want. And you got to nip that in the bud right away. That's first parent. Second parent that I've seen is the parent who thinks they know more baseball than the coach. Now, as a coach, this drives me up a friggin' wall. Now, what? It depends on the situation now. So let's go through the age groups. Let's talk about Little League first. Little League. You have a father most likely coaching um, their kid, and now they're coaching your kid, and there might be a good chance that you know more than said parent. But you didn't want to be a coach, so it's not your job to coach your kid. You know whose job it is? The father who is there. Now, I'm against daddy baseball up until a certain point. I hate it. I think it's it, it damages the kids, and I think it damages the uh, kid player's development, honestly. Um, but we'll talk about that. So we'll get into that in a minute. But that's the first thing. So it's your fault you're not coaching your kid and somebody else who doesn't know the game as well is. And if that coach comes up to you and says, hey, I need help, then help him. Then you have that right. But don't do it from from the, the bleachers or from your, your lawn chair in the middle of a game. It's disrespectful. Very disrespectful. Don't do it. I've seen it. And it's not right. It's wrong. Now, are there situations where you have a bad coach and the coach deserves it? Of course, but you still don't do that. You still don't do that. That's still not a right thing to do. So now, as you get older now, the daddy baseball should stop once your kid goes to the big field. What is that? 60-90. Why? Because now it's real. They're on the biggest field they're ever going to be on. They've loved the sport. You've gotten to love the sport enough that they're going to the junior modified division, JV varsity, and possibly the college, and possibly further than that, depending on what happens. But it's time for them to hear a different voice. Because what's going to happen is when they go to modified, and then when they go to JV and varsity in college, daddy's not going to be there to coach you. Well, so why coach them? Why? It hurts them. Because then when they finally do get a different coach, they're not going to do well with that coach because they're used to you. they got to get used to different coaches and different coaching styles. Daddy baseball hurts players' development. 100%. Plus, the fact is that the, f- the father might not know the game. They know the game through YouTube videos and reading books. Like... You're telling me that that father knows more ball than I do? Who's played and studied and watched and learned? And from I learned from a handful of different coaches. I've learned from playing. I learned from being on the going to games, doing stuff like that. I didn't learn from YouTube. So you're telling me you know more than me? Okay. Seriously. You know, like, there are parents out there. Now, don't get me wrong. There are parents out there that, and I know a handful of them, who played, who know the game, and they're coaching their kid. Hey, good. That's good, right? But also, those type of parents, and I'm going to be one of them, 
should also let your son or daughter be coached by somebody else. And you shouldn't even be an assistant either. Right? Don't be an assistant. Don't be involved. Stay away. Right? Because if you get involved as an assistant, you're still giving your son your advice. No. That undermines the whole situation. So that's the second the second one. The third one that I've seen is the worst one. The one who doesn't know anything and is just an arguer and just wants to argue and doesn't want to hear it and thinks they know everything and, you know, they, they're, they're all about equality and they're all about equal, equal, no matter who goes to practice, who doesn't go to practice, who puts the work in, who doesn't put the work in, who is actually better and isn't because that's what sports are about. Sports are a competition, right? It's not a participation trophy. It's not a, you know, everyone's equal on the same playing field. What's the point of sports? Point of sports is to find out who's the best. You compete. Don't take away the competition. Don't take away, you know, that mono e mono situation where you have your ace against their A player, but you have to take out said ace because you have to keep everything equal. This isn't Little League, right? So... You know, sports is not about being equal to parents. This is for parents. Sports are about hard work, relationships, responsibility, leadership, accountability. That's what sports are about. Now, one thing that drives me absolutely crazy is participation trophies. You should get a participation trophy um, up till you play your, your people your own age. So what is that? You know, T-ball, participation trophy. Five years old, six, seven, whatever. But once you start going to non-coach pitch, um, once you go to, you know, playing players your own age with umpires, no parents involved, no participation trophies. Because they didn't earn it. Well, you, oh, so you participated. So here's a trophy. What'd you win? Did you win anything? But it's unfair. It's a hypocrisy because the champions get two trophies. And the what if the champion is the regular season winner? So they get three trophies. So now you're giving somebody three trophies and somebody one. Why don't you just make, if you finish in first or second, you get a trophy, then the champion gets a trophy. Done. Because you're taking away from the, the part of that, that satisfy, the satisfy, um, the, what's the word I'm looking for here? That word, um, the word, you know, <laughs> uh, the satisfaction, there it is. The satisfaction of um, somebody actually earning what they have, what they have, right? And, you know, that's, that that parent is the worst parent because they don't see sports as a competition. They see it as around the campfire, singing kumbaya, playing a guitar, everybody's peaceful, everybody, no. No, I play, me personally, I'm still playing, you know, six years after college, seven years after college, because I love to compete. I love to be competitive. I'm competitive in everything. Everything. It drives people crazy. I'm competitive. I can't help it. But if you take competitiveness out of sports, then why play? Right? If you want your kid to get a trophy, go join the Boy Scouts. If you want to get him a medal for everything he does, go join the Boy Scouts. That's not sports. Right? So, 
those are the three type of parents that I've dealt with. And I have, like I said earlier in the show, I have great relationships with um, my parents. I still talk to some of them. I'm still in communication with some of them. Now, I'm going to talk about my experiences. So, the first negative experience I had with a parent was maybe the second, the third year I started coaching. And it was a summer ball team. We weren't, we were, we weren't this, this travel showcase team yet. We were getting there, but we weren't there a hundred percent. We were still playing in the town and town league. We were still in the Westchester baseball association and we played two games, two games, not 10, not seven, not, you know, not a good amount Two. And I had one parent come up to me after a game after the second game of the season and said, why is my son not starting every game? I was like, what? He was like, yeah. Um, Why is he not playing? I said, he started the first game of the season and then I got him in a bat in the second game. I think that's fair. Just like a lot of, oh, but there are people who started two, two, there are people that started, you know, two games in a row. Okay, there's nine guys and I have 16. Now everybody's going to start. And your son doesn't play the position of those other players. But he still needs to play. Okay. And he and he kept going on and on. And, and, and you can see where this conversation's going, right? Nowhere. Exactly nowhere. Because it's not common sense. He wasn't using common sense. And he thought he knew more. So, as as you probably can guess, the parent, the, I kicked the kid off the team. And he also quit after I kicked him off the team. And I told his parent, his father, I said, I kicked, I kicked yours. I said, your son loved being on this team. He was at every practice. He came to the games. He was on time, whatever. And by me not dealing with that and showing that he was wrong is the reason why he quit. But I kicked him, I kicked the son off the the field, the, the team, not to, to to punish the son. Now it doesn't make sense because you know why are you why are you doing that? It's because the father said, My son's gonna go play somewhere else. I said, Okay, fine, take him. Keep the uniform. Then he wanted his money back, and then he didn't realize that he signed a contract that says no refunds. So, that was one. The second one was... There was two. That was one. The second one was... The type of... Um, oh, it was a tournament. Now, this was a couple of years... This was like... I was like eight years in at this point. This was the last year I actually coached the Lightning. Um, it was a tournament. We were out in Connecticut and there was a player who showed up late. Showed up late. No reason, no text message, no, hey, I'm stuck in traffic. No, I'm going to be late. Just shows up late. Five minutes before game time. We're all in the dugout. We're waiting. Lineup's already done. And he's a starter. He was one of my better players. I benched him. Mom, mom comes over. Why is my son not playing? I said, he was late. What are you talking about? You know the game started in five minutes. Oh, we the blah 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 blah. I said, but where was the com- where was the communication? 
Where was the phone call? Where's the text message? I have nine guys here who are on time and prepared to play. Why did they why do they deserve to play? And it turned into this big thing. And the assistant coach stepped in and agreed, you know, had my back. But then after a little while, the parent understood and then said, you know, I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I acted that way. You know, I tried really. I, And then it, they made it about themselves. They didn't make it about the kid. I tried really I, I tried really hard to get him here. Um, and then he, she started blaming him and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, I said, I bet I doubt it was him because he's always on time and he's always telling me, you know, he always he's always on time for the most part. I said, I bet you it was you. And he was too afraid to say, hey, my mom is my mom is the reason why we're late. So he didn't text me. And. You know, this is what happens. And everything was fine that he came the next day he was on time he played or whatever but you got to send those messages to parents too that they're they are involved with the team rules just like their their kids are so if they if they're late because of them they don't get a pass right because it's not fair to the kids who were there on time if they're late to practice it's not fair to the players that were on time for practice so, you know, you got to make this, like I said, so you can see where this can go really bad or it could be really good. Now, just a positive, a couple of positives before we get out of here so I don't end on a negative note. Um, the parents, my parents at the school that I coach at are amazing. Um, I, especially my senior class, um, the senior class this year that, unfortunately doesn't have a chance to play I've gotten to know those players and parents since they were freshmen and I really appreciate every single one of those parents uh they always made sure that we had um you know Gatorade and stuff like that like oranges and stuff for the game you know on time they made sure that um you know they communicated with me if they needed to I never had a problem with them um you know, I was, they were always very inviting if there was a problem. Um, and I really do appreciate those parents. Um, you know, they hadn't, and and they were understanding and, you know, they didn't really ask any tough questions. You know, the tough questions came at the beginning of the year, like, Oh, where, where's our batting cage? Where's, you know, the sound, the other thing, it was tough questions we couldn't answer as a staff, but all in all, they were supportive of us. They were there for us. Uh, I remember last year they had us over with the players. Uh, a family had all the everybody over. They they coordinate, you know, an end of the year dinner for everything and do such a great job. Um, you know, but that takes time because the, all of that is great. But it took four years. <laughs> it took three or four years. The kids, you know, these players are gone next year and, you know, you they'll put all this time into the parents. But, you know, it's it's important to have your parents in the corner. It's important not to look at them as, as a problem. You know, if you talk to them and they're people too, and you know what, if you show them a little humility and you show them that you're a person too doing the best you can and sometimes the results aren't going to be where you want them or where they want them, they're going to be behind you and they're going to understand. 
all the negative stuff is, you know, only happens when you don't communicate well um, or they, or the parent just doesn't want to hear it. Sometimes, listen, sometimes as a coach, it is your fault and you need to be a good enough coach to understand when it's your fault. But sometimes it is the parents and the parents need to understand that. The parents need to understand that it's not always, it's not all about them. It's not about what their vision of the team is. It's the vision of your players and your coaches. Because like I said, your parents, I said this yesterday as a coach, the players execute. You're on the outside in the dugout, outside the lines. The parents are outside the field. Right? So, who are they? But, they could be a very good outlet for you. You know, like if your parents believe that you need a, um, a batting cage and you tell them, hey, listen, I've done what I can and it doesn't work, they can mobilize again for this, to, the, to the school to get the batting cage up, right? They could go talk to the athletic director and say, hey, you know, our team deserves a batting cage and they go together as one, right? You should have, you know, one of the things that I'm going to be, that I'm going to do as a varsity coach is have a, one parent's going to be a senior parent, you know, and I'm going to have them be the coordinator. What does that mean? They're going to coordinate events for the team. They're going to, you know, they're going to be the voice of the parents, you know, in certain situations when it's not about their child individually. It's going to be team oriented, you know, and if, and that way that there's a parent, I can have a better relationship with one parent and then they can relay the information, right? So, you know, this is where you start to do that. So now, if you put the puzzle pieces together, you have your philosophy, you have three different relationships that you have taken time to build, right? And have positive nurturing relationships that are going to that are going to be good on and off the field. Um you're on your way. You're on your way, right? Now that's all done and out of the way. Now, what we're going to start talking about is execution. We're going to talk about practices. We're going to talk about things along around that. That's where the show is going, right? Now, I didn't talk about your athletic director or your relationship with the athletic director. Now, that's common sense. It should be common sense. They're your boss. You do what they ask. You communicate with them. If you have a problem, use them as your ally. That's it. They hired you. They believe in you. They're the ones that want picked you to be the coach of that program. So you have to do your job. You have to make sure that your program is run smoothly. The less you hear from your athletic director, the better the job you're doing. And that's why I didn't do an episode on the athletic director, because that's how simple it is. Nice and simple. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, This was episode four, parent-coach relationships. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Again, I'm mentioning this again. We are available wherever you you listen to podcasts. Give us a five-star review. If you want your question heard, answer the post. Answer the posts. Comment on the posts and ask your question. And we will be sure to answer it on live episode sessions. We'll be answering them and as the back half of the show. Because some of this conversation won't last 45 minutes. It'll last 20 minutes and then we need 25 minutes of your questions will be perfect. So 
with that being said, enjoy the rest of your day. Again, subscribe, five-star review. Make sure you go do it. I am your host, Puma. Enjoy the rest of your week. Stay safe. I'll talk to you guys later.